0: This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady, Toronto's news, today's talk, 640 Toronto. How about that Thanksgiving dinner? Can we start there? Can we have a conversation about Thanksgiving dinner? And I'm more than happy to hear whether you're spending more, less or about the same than last year. Here's the weird thing is turkey prices have not gone up that substantially from last year. They've gone up 16 percent, according to uh, Sylvain Charlebois, the food professor who you often hear on our station, on Global News, on uh, on shortwave radio. You kind of you kind of hear them everywhere. But it's been a lot of the vegetables that have gone up rather dramatically. I think I saw sweet potatoes have gone up like 68 percent in the last year. People have made a big fuss about eggs and whatnot. So was somebody going to come to the country's rescue before Thanksgiving? And I struggle with what a promise is sometimes. Let me explain my concept here before you hear from Justin Trudeau. I struggle with what a promise is. Is that the same as a pledge? Is a promise more personal? Or is a promise professional? The promise definition on Webster's Dictionary is to give a promise about one's own actions. Number two is to give reason to expect. And I want you to think about that for a minute promise about one's own actions to give reason to expect i think what the prime minister was doing and his cabinet about getting a handle on food prices was more the second part than the latter a promise of what to expect and this may still be a ways away and i remember and you might remember too about a month ago justin trudeau said this about thanksgiving weekend we expect to hear from them by thanksgiving on what their plan is to stabilize prices He said that on September 12th. So he gave them a good three, three and a half weeks to get all this together. There's not going to be an official announcement, which I find strange. And I saw two things said yesterday. And look, he won't be the first person to talk out of both sides of his mouth. Not today, not tomorrow, not in the future. But Francois-Philippe Champagne is the Minister of Innovation, Science, and Industry. And he kind of had two things going on yesterday. He had... Hey, they've, they've, I've seen changes already. I'm looking at grocery flyers, and I'm like, you expect me to believe that you use grocery flyers and discounts? But okay, if you're the Minister of Innovation, Science, and Industry, somebody trusted you along the way, so I'll take your word. You're doing that. And, and then he documented, but we are ready to punish these grocery giants with taxes if they don't play along. And I'm thinking, you just said that they are playing along. Which is it? I don't know how people aren't seeing that difference on the shelves right now. And it's important to note, food inflation for the month of August didn't get a lot of run for very long. Food inflation, the lowest it's been in terms of a percentage since January 2022. Since January 2022, that's the lowest it's been. But that said, that has not stopped politicians from going after the federal government, not in the least. Mike Massow is a uh, food professor of his own right at, uh, Dallas, at Concordia University, I should say. Here's what he said about what to expect on the shelves this weekend. If prices do come down, they will say, look, we, we put pressure on those grocers. Prices have come down. It's a little disingenuous because they'll have come down for other reasons. Yeah, They're coming down anyway. They're coming down anyway. I will tell you the Doug Ford government had a big win when they cut the gas tax in June. Remember how desperate we were in June of last year. Remember how desperate we were. We're all driving all over the place. Hey, did you did you see gas? It was two ten here. I know it was two sixteen here, and we're all going crazy. Like there were text conversations that would sidetrack into where where are you getting that cheap gas that you're talking about? But then they cut. Then the Ford government at the end of during the campaign run, cut the gas tax. Now, they wanted to get elected in June. They promised they would cut the gas tax at the end of June going into Canada Day weekend, um, whether or not they were elected or not. And they get elected on June 2nd in a landslide, and they cut the gas tax. And they've held that promise that they'd cut the gas tax. But you know what the win was for the Ford government? And there hasn't been a win really for the Trudeau government. Gas prices went down anyway. They were sinking anyway after that first four or five months of the Ukraine war starting. And we all are driving around, as I said, talking to each other, hopefully not texting while driving. And we're going, gas, is it's, it's never going to be under $2 a liter again. That was said. And some experts said that. So I juxtapose that with food here, where it's an expensive weekend. It costs more money than it has in a long, long time to have a Thanksgiving dinner. And the government's saying, no problem. We can see in the flyers already prices have come down. You'll be the judge of that later today at the grocery store, or or Saturday if you're doing your shopping on Saturday. Let me turn to this uh, in the few minutes we've got left. Sometimes you just feel that vibe of a leader, and I do make the case that John Tory had that vibe as a leader. I do. This person's been time after time through successes and failures. Somebody says, "I want that person front-facing, running this company, running this corporation." being in the boardroom, and I want him in front of cameras and on on radio stations also. Many times. It's not a fluke that this keeps happening to John Tory. Soon a job turns into a career, and he doesn't have to stay in the same job for 20 years at a time or 22 years at a time. He just forges forward, gets his work done, and goes on from there. And yesterday, a bad day. It's a bad day for that to go out public, but he knows it's going to. The 122-page report coming from City Hall And the city's integrity commissioner documented that John Tory broke some rules. And that's not news to you, and that's that's not news to me. He broke city council's code of conduct, having a relationship with a woman. She was a junior in his office. He should have been much, much, much smarter. Did I add another much in there? But the other factor is, besides not, you know, kind of skirting what would be required from human resources. Now, in any company, and you can debate the merits, the whole merits of human resources. Do they do this great? Absolutely. Is this good? Sure. Is some of this an overreach in some companies? I bet it is. I'll notice it in mine, but you might notice it in yours. But he also, and I think this is significant, exercised improper use of influence, and that's a quote, by voting on city council items, including the World Cup games. And for the life of me, I don't know why I didn't think of it, because I didn't put the timeline together of his um, relationship person, the woman that he was involved with, going to work for MLSE. And what file did she work on at MLSE? Not the Leafs, not the Raptors, the World Cup. Bad look. I'm not saying it's the worst look. It's the worst professional look out of the 122 pages. You decide for yourself how you feel about people's marriages and relationships in the workplace. You can decide that for yourself. Here's what I heard, though, from John Torrey. So Tory knows that he's already in this relationship. He knows that he's running for a third term. He said he wouldn't and changed his mind. And he documented the pandemic as a big reason why. But I want you to listen to this. I'm not this is not again, this is not a boot to the sternum of Olivia Chow as mayor. Okay, we are where we are right now in the city and we need things to work and we got to there's some rallying that we need to do all behind each other. But here's John Tory and I want you to listen to this very closely and tell me if you hear a leader here. Well, one of the reasons why I want to continue in this job if the voters would uh, re-elect me is because I believe that the kind of experience I have, uh, the kind of understanding I have of the need for partnerships with the other governments and my ability to form those, uh, my ability to manage the finances of the city soundly, to sell the city for things like film and technology, that those things are, uh, you know, are, are going to require experienced leadership that people are familiar and comfortable with. That's somebody that's going to get things done. That's what it sounds like to me. You don't have to love him; you can be really irritated at him. And let me say this: he didn't pull strings at MLSE. Come on, the integrity commissioner can say I have no proof, but right after the council decision, all of a sudden she's at MLSE. Come on, there's a lot. By the way, there's lots of people that won't comment comment on this. I reached out to yesterday. And I wish they would, but they won't. They just feel it's piling on because it's so obvious at this point. Here's what the mayor of the city, Olivia Chow, said about the Integrity Commissioner's findings about John Tory.
1: I know the people of Toronto feel let down and disappointed uh, the previous mayor's uh, conduct. I share the same feeling. Um, As leader and a holder of higher office, we... Do have a responsibility to have a, a higher code of conduct. She's
0: got that right. There's no question about it. And all Tory would have had to do don't run again. That's all you have to do. One person described it as a smart guy with the tactics of a dummy. <laughs> I got to, John Tory might actually agree with that statement. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady, Toronto's news, today's talk, six forty, Toronto. <laughs> Toronto today, 621. Boy, that makes me feel like it's uh, 1997 again. I was in uh, journalism school, and uh, we were uh, on a station called 6X at Fanshawe College. And so you'd do the news, like we were in the news department, news stuff, and then the station was very much like dance, very uh, poppy, top 40, um, and that was the music they'd play. And you tend to play at the top of the hour. Concept is play the hits. And this song um, and Wannabe were both kind of back-to-back huge songs on 6XFM in the spring of 1997. I remember it like it was yesterday. So I heard Wannabe and this song a ton coming out of my newscast in particular. But this was um, the peak of Spice Girls fame. And one of those five Spice Girls married a soccer superstar, a soccer legend, and um, and they named the movie after him. About three years after this, two thousand was the year "Bend It Like Beckham" uh, was released. We've talked about that on the show. someday we'll just talk about it all morning on a slow morning. Shiba Siddiqui's best, our best movie producer ever. of the show. It's yeah, it, Bull Durham, ever? "Bend It Like Beckham," no, that's Rocky, number
2: one. I don't know. I don't know what the others are. Bennett, like, Buckham is number one.
0: As you know, I was offended by the salacious relationship where the male coach starts a relationship with the much (laughs) younger player player on the team. Twice, Sheba. It's
2: true love, Twice,
0: True love. He was with um, Kira Knightley and then he was with, um, oh my God, Parminder Singh, I think. She was on ER later on.
2: Yes, she was. So that's
0: Bend It Like Beckham. But you, I bring this up because I gave myself an hour last night, and I'm like, sometimes with Netflix documentaries, you know how you you and your partner sit, and you tr- it's a tryout. It's kind of a test, and we just both loved it. <laughs> and she likes sports, but she, I can't show her like, hey, here's uh, here's Tottenham uh, Hotspurs uh, behind the scenes into the lot. She's not interested in that.
2: I, I don't know what language you're speaking. I right know now. you're not. I don't know what that is. You language.
0: don't have to care, but that's that's exactly. But last night, it had everything the first hour celebrity and glamour and nightclubs and and uh salaciousness so this is david beckham with victoria beckham and i made the case right this is years before megan and harry years before we think well harry and william will grow up and they'll just marry like like put it this way sheba we just thought maybe harry will marry another kate somebody who's got a royal bloodline somebody who lives in england somebody who we've never seen before like what diana was and we'll just be but he married an actress from the states and then it all of a sudden kicked off and they were a lot more uber famous at this point kind of early stages of the internet wouldn't you agree that Bex and posh as popular a couple as anybody on the planet as well-known a couple as anybody on the planet in 1997
2: 1998 as harry and megan
0: no at that point in time probably not
2: yeah at that point I don't know I don't know if I think I think Harry and Meghan are bigger but well it depends where you come from it if you're sports I I didn't listen I'd heard about some random guy named David Beckham wasn't really sure he was I think he kicked a ball around threw a ball around I wasn't sure what it was but I knew posh (laughs) I knew Victoria (laughs) but here's the thing if you asked me her last name before she got married I would have no idea what it was yeah I I, I don't think I now I know her as Victoria Beckham now do you know what the name is well, I only know where it's posh to Victoria okay. Beckham. No, Her I la- see. Exactly.
0: Her last name is Adams. But that came up I would up,
2: never have known that.
0: Bingo. That came up in the first 20 minutes of the doc last night, and I didn't know it. And uh and it was said so in this first episode, there's it's already great fun. And someone on Twitter described uh they said David Beckham is the last investigative journalist living <laughs> yes. on the planet. Because Victoria's on the couch starting to tell a story. And sometimes in these docs, right, you don't know who's at the side. You don't know if let's let's take Harry and Meghan. Well, probably for,
2: a producer. Yeah, She's probably talking to a producer. She probably is. But, but,
0: but you can, what you can't tell watching a doc is let's say it's the Harry and Meghan doc and Megan's sitting there. Unless Harry's right beside you wouldn't know Harry's in the room. He could be wherever at work. I mean, whatever work he does. Charity work, let's say feeding those chickens that they showed Oprah. Either way, here's Victoria Beckham. She's trying to talk about how she was very, you know, working class growing up. But relatable. We, relatable stuff to people. But what we don't know is fo- soccer megastar David Beckham is in the room and he corrects her. It's a great husband wife moment. Here it is.
1: We're very working, working class. Be, honest. I, I Be honest. honest. I am being honest. I am being honest. What time honest. did your dad drive you to school in? So, my dad... Did, no, one answer. My dad... What well, car was it? All right, it's not a simple answer what because...
2: Car,
0: what car did you get your
2: dad to drive?
1: It depends.
2: No, 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 no. Okay, what in car? the 80s, what? my dad had a Rolls Royce. Thank you.
0: And then Beckham shuts the door and leaves yes. the room.
2: Yes. <laughs> Perfect. That is investigative journalism. And yeah. just look on her face. And the, you know why she was called posh? Because she was more uppity than the rest of them. And you know why this was something for you to keep in mind, Brady? No. Because she had a swimming pool. She lived in Essex <laughs> and she had a swimming pool. So you're a little uppity. We should call you posh, Brady. Because
0: I, uh, yes, I have an on-ground swimming pool that's about, you know, the size of a giant barrel. And uh, and I jump in it once in a while when the when the bathtub's not working. You have a pool as well. Can you? Can we? If someone's (laughs) listening for the first time, I love that part out. I love that part out. You did. Um, You found this video. We got a couple minutes to get to it here of a real life story that everybody could be concerned about. And the idea is, if I left my bike somewhere, even if I locked it up, it could easily be stolen. It could be stolen on the streets of Toronto. People could just cut. You'd go buy a lock for thirty bucks. That person would cut through it with bolts, and the bike is gonzo.
2: Oh, absolutely. And there's this video. I mean, this caught my attention because what's the theme of our city lately? The city is crumbling. Mm-hmm. And here is a clip that is the perfect example of that. It's my Hello? bike. Hello? It's my bike. Okay, it's nice. Police. Yeah, nice. we rode it. Are you the police? No, but I yeah, rode it just sure. to be fun. Why does and he the care? Cowards. The cowards. The Why
0: cowards. does he care?
2: <laughs> Why the does he care? Why go away. You. Get the fuck okay, okay, yeah, no Why do you care? Are you police? Why is weird? He... Why hurt Why you hurt yeah. Yo, what? Why not hurt you? For what? I
0: didn't steal it. So this woman stole a police officer's bike. Um That's
2: the kicker, and that's it the says kicker. Toronto police it's... on it. it is a police bike, and she's still trying to she's still trying to explain that it's her bike. She's She's claiming that it's her own. And so the police had to take her down, like physically take her down because she refused to get off of their bike.
0: Yeah. And I I enjoy the one officer going, "Okay, nice. (laughs) 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 When she's like, it's mine, it's my bike. And I love this clip or I love this quote. One bystander says it says police on it. The woman replies, yeah, we wrote it. I wrote it just to be fun. So we're clearly having a logical argument and and debate here. You know, like, that's not one of those. I see both sides of this particular issue.
2: No, but it's worrisome to me because, I mean, the comment here is Toronto is a joke. You can never pay me to live there anymore. So glad I moved away. And I just (laughs) think that epitomizes that we need to change things around here. That video, that woman, what's who steals a police bike and tries to claim it as their own?
0: Well, she didn't see an ambulance nearby because there are many on the roads. Right now, that would be more of a concern. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk 640 Toronto. We're excited to talk right now to two time mayoral candidate Chloe Brown. We always love having her on our show for her perspective. Good morning. It's nice to have you here. Good morning. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. We're going to get to this video that a lot of people are talking about from yesterday on Toronto streets. But you ran in the 22 mayoral election. You had, a you know, really made a name for yourself. A lot of us discovered you from there. You ran again this spring. Yesterday, Chloe, we get the integrity commissioner report from the city. And we're not going to go through all 122 pages um, because people have lives. But John Tory was deemed put his private interests first and broke ethics rules. How do you look at John Tory now? Do you know anything differently than you did 24 hours ago?
3: But to be honest, it's the same perspective that I had before. It's poor management starts at the top and it trickles down. Um, the report has really been shocking about the MLSC agreement with FIFA. And usually when an employee violates their contract, they shouldn't be signing deals. So I'm really curious to see how Mayor Chow will approach this.
0: Yeah, she said yesterday, it's a weird one with with the World Cup um Chloe because it just feels like there's a there's an acceptance. And I know like it's one thing for the mayor to say I don't want these games here, but then when they come here, you're kind of wearing that in the summer of 2026. So now that's me saying that from a political perspective. Practically, you're right. We should ask a ton more questions about how this city ended up with this deal because if you ask city councilors, they're not taking responsibility for it either.
3: Yeah, and this is where Financial management really is important right now because we have a homelessness crisis, refugees, and there's money that we can be spending in better programs. So, yeah, that's just my opinion on that one.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's one of those scenarios where, and, and when you run against him, you were, you were like just a firecracker debating John Tory. You were one of the candidates up there on stage willing to take him on, question his record, at times question his political integrity. You think about now everything he was juggling and managing. We played a clip of him earlier that um, where he, he just decided this is. And he said to the public, I want to come back for a third term. And I had so many people yesterday say to me, why on earth did he do that? No one would know anything about this if his ego hadn't gotten in the way.
3: Yeah. And that's really where, honestly, my fire comes from, because we all subsidize an affair. We've been subsidizing bad deals and who's going to pay for it? It's ultimately me and you and all the labor power that we have for the next 20 years. So as a person at 30, it's just like how many bad deals can I get out of now in order to make sure that I can stay living in the city. Mm -hmm. And that really starts with looking at the FIFA deal, looking at a variety of things that he signed his name to.
0: Chloe Brown's our guest on Toronto today. Um, So Drake plays sold out Scotiabank Arena tonight. Drake has a new album coming out today. But it comes in three. sometimes, Chloe. You saw something with Drake and Metrolinks and Go stations that I never, without following you on Twitter, I never would have known. Let the audience know what this is. And your reaction to this was, well, it had some animated emojis. I'll put it that way.
3: <laughs> well, I'm seeing this branding with Ghost Transit and Drake. And my reaction was, I'm surprised that you have a budget for this, but not running the trains on time. As you know, this week, Go Transit was down, CN lines were down, and if you rely on Go Transit, that was hell on wheels. So, I'm really surprised that they have the energy to be doing this, and so many transit lines are down. A really great example is the Eglinton LRT. I want Metrolink to get its priorities in order.
0: Yeah, there's, there's absolutely. Look, there's time for, you know, grandstanding, and there's time for ribbon cuttings and big announcements, but practically... Like, it's a bread and butter issue, isn't it, right now for Metrolinx? Make sure people are safe. Make And they may have been an innocent bystander in the CN rail thing, but that doesn't excuse so much of what's transpired here with a lack of accountability for weeks and months for our people here.
3: Absolutely. And this is what's really driving people out of the city right now. It's not that the city isn't safe and we could have a better quality of life. It's just management is drowning right now. And it's showing all over the streets, the quality of transit, housing, mm. the speed of getting these things. And to be honest with you, I've been working on the refugees with, uh, the, church, with the churches. Yeah. And just trying to get shelter and making sure that we have operational funding has been a It's been hell Because all I do is get told, hey, petition the federal government. Petition the like, provincial one. And it's civilians all we're trying to do is deliver a service and management. It has really abandoned its principles.
0: I, I said to you, I know when you sat across from me, when you were running for mayor, I said, I'm not sure that it's a great job for the next three or four years. Cause it's going to be a lot of asking for money to dig Toronto out. Are you hopeful that being mayor is a better job seven years from now, 11 years from now? And I said to you before, please run again. Cause you got a lot of long runway in front of you.
3: Uh. To be honest, a job is a job to me. At this point, I'm really hoping that the mayor looks at how management can improve. If, for instance, shelter, support, housing, administration is overwhelmed, break up the one managerial position into four. We really need to start looking at how we can better use the talent around us because I've been speaking to so many young people, newcomers, Mm -hmm. and people are really planning to exit Ontario en masse. And it's something that I've never seen before. And it really makes me wonder, like, who's going to top Mm. up Ontario if everyone leaves?
0: Chloe Brown's our guest on Toronto Today. We played this video a little bit earlier on. Um, At first, you're, you know, you're a bit... Amused by the confrontation here, but we'll play the audio from it. It's been up, uh, it's on our 640X uh, account right now. But it's a woman taking a Toronto police officer's bike. She's clearly unwell, and the cops, they, they just can't let her take the bike. I get both sides of this. Let's play this clip. It's
2: my bike. Hello? It's my bike. Okay, nice. It. Yeah, nice. we rode it. Are you the police? No, but I yeah, rode for it for just sure. to be fun. Why does from he care? Cowards. The you, why does he care? Why does he care? <laughs> does he care? F- you get the f okay, out yeah, of no Why do you care? Are you police? Why is he? Why hurt you? Me? Why hurt You, you what? Know, why why are you not hurting me? For what? I didn't see
0: this. It. It's rough to hear, Chloe. It's rough to watch, and it's happening right in front of our city. And you live and breathe Toronto, so we've got mental health issues, crime issues, security issues, all of it. But I can't help thinking this is somebody's daughter or it's somebody's sister or it used to be somebody's girlfriend and she's not in a, in a right place right now. And we don't, I don't know the immediate answer for someone like this. We can't, we can't give somebody an answer and say, Hey, here, we'll do, we'll build this for you in 18 months. She needs help now.
3: Well, this is where we really need to be investing in just building more rapid emergency shelters. We have this issue in the city where for instance, the refugees in the churches, we can mm-hmm. be converting these places into emergency shelters if we had the right funding for operational deployment. Uh, we came up with a budget for $55 per person, and that includes food and staff. This allows us to at least get people off the street and into the presence of people who can deliver the right services, medications, therapies, et cetera. But we need places to do this. So I'm really looking at marriage challenges, like how can we readapt spaces because the winter is coming and the more that these problems are open on the street, the more obvious it is that there's a deterioration in authority. So, yeah, um, yeah, just looking at what's been going on with Doug Ford and the Greenbelt scandal, it's just like, if the top levels of government are corrupt and no one does anything about it, that trickles down and it tells everyone else, like it's a free for all.
0: I'm making us a touch late for news, but in 30 seconds, you were knocking on doors in the the summer and late spring. Are you seeing worse things now, five months later than you were then?
3: Yes, because now that we have a language for it, it's really viral on the internet. And because we don't have language for solutions, it's breeding more Mm -hmm. hopelessness in adults. And when we feel like we don't know what to do, we act like children without manners and sense. So yeah it's, it's, I don't know how to describe it, but with winter coming, I'm starting to really see the blues playing out.
0: I hear it. Chloe Brown, former mayoral candidate. Please stay in touch with us. You're an important voice for this city and I hope we can talk more. Absolutely. Take care. You got it. Have a great long weekend as best you can. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. If you've been on the Trillium website, you know what a great job they do looking at Queen's Park, Ontario issues every single week. We are going to talk to Charlie Pinkerton, deputy Deputy editor at the Trillium in a little bit. First, I want you to hear a little bit of their weekly podcast. This is a discussion about Doug Ford and the Greenbelt controversy, and they dissect the damage. Here's some from the podcast this week. I just want to kind of get your guys political take on how, you know, this issue was handled over the past 11 months, but but really focusing in on this these last two months since that August 9th Auditor General Report. One of the things in in crisis management issues management is figure out where you're going to end up at the end and go there before anybody else requires you to go there. And frankly, if that means you're going to have to take a bullet. You want to take that bullet when you're planning to take that bullet, right? You you want to shoot yourself in the foot, not wait for someone to shoot you in the chest. You want to stand beside the hospital where the doctors are on standby when you shoot yourself in the foot so you know that you're going to get the help that you need. You plan it all before you you make that, that work. Okay. That's a, that's very, very accurate, actually. You'd make, like, you need a plan before you can actually do the work in any concept. You can go to thetrillium.ca, listen to the Trill podcast there, and the membership, well worth it. We're pleased to be welcoming on the deputy editor of the Trillium. He is Charlie Pinkerton. Great to have you on. Good morning on this Friday, Charlie. I appreciate you uh, taking the time.
1: Yeah, no problem,
0: me. Well, let's dive into this one. I don't think news stories explain this properly. You've got a story on the provincial government's budget surpluses, and I think we hear news stories come and go. So, I'll ask you, what's fair criticism? What's responsible money management for a provincial government? We hammer them when there's a surplus. Gets Mart Stiles hammers them, John Fraser hammers them. the opposition leaders do, but when they run a huge deficit, we do the same. How do you read the 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 numbers in this story on the trillion?
1: Yeah, well, you you know you raise a good point because it is one of these kind of darn if you do, darn if you don't situations, right? Like the, the government at the beginning of the year, they they set the amount of money they're going to spend, and the opposition's job at the end of the day is to uh, you know among other things to criticize the government. And so th- this government, the Ford government, has a you know a bit of a, ha- a habit of you know quarter after quarter, year after year, um, uh, putting out projections uh, that. Uh, in terms of their spending that, uh, you know, later in the year, later in the quarter, they oftentimes come in under on. And, uh, you know, that that is a good thing, uh, but it, nece- it doesn't necessarily always uh, add up to what they yeah. projected. So, you know, it's... it's just one of these things to keep in mind
0: when you hear these stories. You've got a story on municipal boundary expansions as well in uh, in Ontario. And it is something I, I think Mart Styles and the NDP have had a really good measured focus. I think they're doing exactly what an opposition party should do and keeping the pressure on where it belongs. There's no, nothing frivolous about where they're digging in on. So this story, though, about the boundary expansions... It's not taking off yet in terms of heat on the Ford government. That could be Greenbelt fatigue. Sell our audience, Charlie, on why this story is a winner for the NDP, and, and maybe they'll stay on it.
1: Yeah, well, we definitely expect them to stay on it. Um, there are lots of parallels to Greenbelt changes, right? Like this uh, it has to do with land that um, is going to be up for development. It uh, these changes were made around the same time uh, as the Greenbelt changes. And there are sort of interesting parallels in how the decisions were made. But this, uh, the boundary expansions here that the NDP, like you said, is trying to apply uh, pressure on the government uh, around, uh, they have not been reversed. And so, uh, unlike the Greenbelt changes, there'll be something to continue uh, to watch moving forward.
0: Yeah, there's um, there's also so much debate about Ontario Place. I actually wandered over to the Toronto Board of Trade. I wanted to see uh, Doug Ford present his side of the story. And there were some protesters there, to be honest. That's how democracy works. It was all very civil. But there's great debate about the actual numbers coming to Ontario Place and whether you or I could sit for an hour with listeners and say, I think Ontario Place should be this, I think it should be that. I don't think we could argue that it's been kind of neglected and certainly underdeveloped. So I'd ask you this, does does the fight feel over for those who don't love the government's development plans? We had Olivia Chow on a week ago today, and it just felt like she said, she said the same thing Doug Ford said, Charlie. She said, it's not Toronto place. It's not city land. There's only so much we can do.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a fight over. It's such a tricky question because you know, the redevelopment there, is happening um, there are still you know various kind of checkpoints uh, in the process uh, for the thermos spa to be built for live nation's development to happen for the uh, park garage uh, that the provincial government is going to pay for to tie the whole thing together um, you know sort of day by day week by week month by month with this uh, with this development at Ontario place now happening uh it looks like closer to being the case that uh you know the government's plan will come together uh but you know we might have thought the same about something like the green belt hat it uh, got a different way so you know as things go in provincial politics with this government you just never know
0: you never do Now, uh how can people sign up and uh, and read your journalism on the Trillium?
1: Yeah, just by visiting our website, thetrillium.ca, and uh, yeah, go from there. Hope you enjoy what you read.
0: You got it. Hey, have a great holiday weekend, Charlie. I know we'll talk next week. Appreciate the time. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Charlie Pinkerton is Deputy Editor at The Trillium. You can go to thetrillium.ca.